0: Jessica's, Jessica's on another planet right now. Jessica's Ooh. that sounds like you're high. I'm not. I work for the state. I can't be. <laughs> you're always on another planet. Just it's like your own attention span just making shit happen up there. Yeah, I'm very um like Valentina from RuPaul's Drag Race. I live in my own fantasy. God, you're exactly like that's well let's revisit. Let's circle we'll come back, back to we'll, that. We'll, later. we'll circle back to that. But I am in fact Valentina from RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, RuPaul's best friend race. Anyway, uh, welcome to Especially Heinous, a show where two idiots, two friends, whatever we are, I feel like we're both like brain fried right now. Talk about the true stories behind Law and Order SVU episodes. You can literally see my laugh pattern. I in know. Spikes and audio. I'm gonna have to fix that. It'll be super fun. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm Amber Franchi. Who the fuck are you? I'm Jessica <laughs> Jones. But if you if you have found this episode, you probably know that already. Yeah, you probably already know that. So, but we... for those of you who are new, hi, hello. I'm sorry <laughs> ahead of time. I can guarantee I'm, I'm gonna say something shitty. You'll get used to it. Don't worry. But uh, we—if you don't know who we are and you found this magically on your own—we regularly you. host a show called *The Less Dead*, where we talk about marginalized victims of crime and what have you. But this but is now—we get to have fun. This is something slightly less depressing and much more fun. We both are freaks and we adore *Law and Order: SVU*. I've seen specifically, specifically, specifically Mariska it. Hargitay. I know I did that specifically specifically because you hate Stop it. it. No. I start to say specifically and it's like, mm, My no, Let's English. make let's make anger. <laughs> let's make anger. Let's not, let's make anger. <laughs> let's make anger. We made so much you made a lot of anger with. Yeah, that. I told me. you I was on another planet. I don't know what's going on. You're just your body is like making itself drunk because you can't drink right now. I think that's what's happening. Also, for those of you who are new, that's probably a fun statement. I have TB. <laughs> she has latent TB. If you don't know what that is, it's tuberculosis or the consumption. I have a disease from 1920 that we should have wiped out with uh Well, no one gets vaccinated anymore. Yeah. Blame the It's supposed to be a vaccinated <laughs> preventable disease. But Those aren't white things people don't vaccinate their children. Us yelling about white people is pretty on brand. So yeah, (laughs) pretty fucking (laughs) on brand. Um, But yeah, sorry, if you listen to our regular show, you're used to yelling about white people. But if if you don't, we're sorry. I I already apologized up front, so we're fine. You did do that. That's fair. So as we said, we're big time fans of SVU. I've been watching it since I was way too young to watch it. Big Um, same. Yeah, since I was like nine, which too young for that. I literally went to a CSI camp and like... (laughs) fourth or fifth grade because I was obsessed See, early with law and order SVU and were... I wanted to like experience being on a crime scene well you do work in an investigative role now so I guess it paid off literally like no, your job is pretty SVU so this is just on brand for you in general it is do you that know how many times awful. I've had to call the um <laughs> insert the SVU insert bleep of the county I work for's sheriff's office their SVU department probably a depressing amount four well, times a week. Jesus fucking Christ, that's depressing. All right. But Just, hi, can you patch me through the special victims unit? Oof, Thanks. Rough. But like we said, big time fans. I've seen every episode like 20 times because I don't know. I don't sleep. But uh, I, because of that, over the years, I've looked up the backstories of these episodes because most of them are kind of ripped from the headlines. And they're there's, fucking weird. There's a book on all of these. And our local library. their stories. It's yeah. great. Our local library has it and it's incredible. We will get it. But from now, we're just going through with our own research. And the first episode we'll be talking about <gasps> is Pretend. Which is such a good episode. It's a good episode. You should go watch oh. it. I think it's in like season eight or nine, something Ooh, like so that. So it's pretty early for them. Yeah. Midway. Yeah, I guess they're on season like seventeen or eighteen. Stabler now. was still there, right? Stabler was still there. It was one oh. of his last seasons. God but uh, the things I would do to Elliot Stabler. Do you mean Christopher Maloney or specifically Elliot Stabler? Both. They're both handsome, but also mm, specifically Elliot Stabler. <laughs> All right, you you Oof. just love a man with anger problems and latent religious baggage. I have a type issues and a type. But anyway, so pretend is uh, like a mid. It's not super early, but it's not a super recent episode, so I'm guessing people listening to this have seen it. It's pretty early for SVU, because aren't they, like, close to their 20th season? They're very close to their 20th season. It's about halfway through the show's tenure. But we're going to do a brief synopsis anyway in case you can't remember it or you, you're not a freak like me who just knows the episode titles. It'll also give you a little bit of like backstory to like relate it the to case the case we're gonna that it's based it on. Too. So it's like a little uh a little I don't know primer. why I just did that. I don't know. It's an amuse-bouche, if you will. Ooh, fancy. Fancy. I'm hungry. Me too. I haven't eaten all day. But anyway, so in Pretend, uh, police discover the badly beaten body of a teenage boy in an abandoned building after a few false leads, which included a particularly depressing one. uh, Oh. Yeah, this is rough. With a grieving mother who thinks the boy was her son who was abducted like uh, a decade earlier. That scene was rough. The whole, yeah, that story arc is rough. You'll need, like, a fortifying glass of wine after watching that <laughs> to finish the episode. But our beloved FBU detectives eventually discover that the boy's name is Riley and he was killed in a brutal but staged fight that was filmed for the internet in the early days of, like, YouTube. Because I think this was in, like, 2007, Are you sure this isn't just Jake and Logan Paul? It is evocative of that, Because <laughs> I think it might just be Jake and Logan Paul Again, evocative if, of that. Like, if their next fight with uh, Deji and What's-His-Face doesn't go off the way they <laughs> planned... I found a new career avenue You're for You're speaking child to me, but... <laughs> <laughs> I like the YouTubes. The YouTubes. I'm too old for these people, but I like their stuff. <laughs> but, so, Riley's friend Scott filmed the entire fight and says he was behind the camera the whole time, and that the accidental killer, because it wasn't on purpose according to his story, was one of Riley's friends from camp, and he has no idea what his name is. Conveniently. Uh, but... Incredible. Yeah, incredible. But... Quickly comes out that Scott definitely meant to kill his friend. He's definitely the one who did it, and it was out of jealousy because he had fallen in love with his girlfriend Cassandra. It's he seems- had fallen in love with Riley's girlfriend Cassandra. Yes, so okay. Riley was dating Cassandra, and Scott they like had a fight. They briefly like took a break. She fucked Scott, and yeah when she was upset I guess to get back at him and then was like it was a mistake I'm so sorry we're getting back together I didn't mean to lead you on blah 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 but he like falls in love with her anyway weird point to mention I really hate the name Scott like I really really (laughs) hate the name Scott I think it is stupid it makes me think of that kid from uh, Teen Wolf with his fucking that just had that weirdly crooked jaw and he looked like a puppy and it made me angry okay are you good yeah sorry Sorry. I just had to get that out (laughs) I have yeah. a lot of feelings about that name. I don't have a lot of feelings about that name. It's a pretty mediocre white dude name, but uh, it seems- Which means you should have more feelings about it. Yeah, I just don't have the energy, but it seems like a pretty open and shut case at first, but because it's SVU, there are a lot of ludicrous- <laughs> Twist? They have to turn it into an M. Night Shyamalan thing. Yeah, it always episode. has to be a thing. It can never just be simple. But on her way to testify uh, against Scott, Cassandra's hit head-on, like, driving by one of Scott's. <gasps> also, they're in New York City. Who has a car? But <laughs> also, they're in New York City. How can you hit someone in traffic I like that? Know. Like, I... it li- li- literally standstill traffic. There's a lot of suspension of uh, disbelief that you're going to have to do with SVU in general. And this is just one of those times. But <laughs> um, it's... Da da da. Where am I? I'm sorry. I hate that I just said that, but it just came out of my fucking mouth. But so she's hit. He she's hit dead on by one of Scott's friends. Who his storyline is that he has a ton of debt because he was gambling with his dad's credit card, and Scott like paid him a bunch of money to do this. So oh. there's that. But well, Scandalo. Yeah. But uh, while Cassandra is recovering in the hospital, the doctors notice something quite strange, that her wisdom teeth have been extracted, which that in and of itself isn't necessarily the weirdest thing, but the scar tissue or the incisions are very well healed over with like a lot of scar tissue. So she has my teeth. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've had my wisdom teeth taken out too. But like, it would be very unusual for a teenager, particularly like a 16 year old to have like for that to be a thing, like I think I got my wisdom teeth removed when I was in high school, but I was like it, seventeen. Yeah, like but I think like, I was like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, that's like normally the age when you they're... wouldn't have like that kind of scar tissue buildup until your twenties, <laughs> until you're probably late twenties. Yeah, and doctors estimate that she is indeed in her late twenties. Oof. Yeah. Ultimately, it comes out that Cassandra is actually a twenty-eight-year-old woman named Denise Pickering. Also, don't like the name Denise. Yeah, I don't either. But anyway. Little is revealed about her background, but the detectives uncover that she's used a series of aliases over the years, starting just as she aged out of the foster care system at like 18. Ooh. Yeah. She ends up going to jail for statutory rape because, again, she had got fucked and he's like an, uh, he's a child he's actually 16 she is 28 she's a, he's a child and she's you know a grown up so she assaulted a him adult. She, like manipulated hate, him to assault him i really hate the phrase statutory rape because it's like it's still rape like like you can just call, call it, it rape,
1: rape. i guess like they they're it.
0: under 18 they yeah. can't legally consent i so. understand why people call it that because i think some victims don't like to think about what happened to them as rape but, but it a thousand it still percent was is like I I get like I know victims don't want to see it that way, but like yeah. to punish these people the way they need to be, punished, we just need to call it what it is. You need to call it what because it is. because people like dismiss crimes like this all the time, and it's yeah. gross. But, and like statutory rape isn't seen as like this huge like awful thing, but it like, totally is manipulating somebody horrifying. who's younger than you into being intimate with you is fucking gross. It's just as gross as physically coercing them exactly, don't do it. but. Uh, despite all of the evidence just staring her in the face, including a fucking prison sentence, she insists that she is a teenager named Cassandra. That is terrifying. It's so terrifying. And like, just to be, <laughs> I, I guess that delusional? Yeah. That you think you're going to get away with it? Either that committed to the to the act or that delusional. Either way, it's scary. Because either you are calculating and just like don't have a conscience or you need help. Like I mean, you, you just like hope that you're way. pretty enough that the judge will just like... The actress who played her Uh. was really cute, too, and this is awful and judgy and I shouldn't say this, but the girl who, in the real story, is, like, very just, like, kind of there. She's just a plain, like, regular old lady, not, like... (laughs) Just a plain, regular old lady. Like, I mean, she just looks like every white woman. She's, like... You know what I mean? (laughs) She just looks like every white woman. She doesn't. Oh my god! Yeah, my, just your laughter. My laugh. Audio. My laugh has a very specific uh, audio Rhythm pattern to it. <laughs> it's it's incredible. It's a one big peak. Looks like, peak, like somebody had a heart attack. Peak. But so just like my heart rate monitor yeah, at all just, times. But anyway, this case. Weird as it is, is inspired by a true story. Which, it gets weirder. So much weirder. Way weirder, because there's just way more ground to cover than they ever could in an hour-long episode. But it is inspired by the case of Treva Thor- Throneberry. I always want to say Thornberry. Alyssa is Yeah, that's why, I think. Oh, but anyway, that. so Treva, Thro- Treva Throneberry was born also in... Also the name Treva. It's a lot. Uh, her, Treva? Everyone Treva? in her family has weird names, but oh, I'm okay. calling her Treva. Oh. Treva was born in Wichita Falls... Uh, Texas on May 18th, 1969 to Patsy and Carl Throneberry. According to her family, inc- including her three elder sisters, she was happy, obedient in her early years, like a good kid. Uh, as a teen, she worked part-time at the Whistle Stop in Electra, the small town that also in Texas. was the most old-timey sentence. She worked yep. at the Whistle Stop, Whistle Stop in Stop Electra. At Electra. She uh, worked part-time at the Whistle Stop in Electra. Had, her family had moved to Electra, I think, at some point, like her elementary school years, but okay. also a small town in Texas. Um, and she was known there at, for her cheerful, pleasant demeanor generally and her devotion to her faith. She always carried around like a red zip-up Bible that she read on her lunch breaks. Which they is can't, can't see the face I'm making, but yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's it, not pleased. <laughs> it's exasperated. It's an exasperating, just carrying around a Bible with you is a little exasperating. No offense. It's, it's it is, though. Like, we both have like... I don't know, like emotional scars from going to religious schools though. So like take that people with a who literally just carry a Bible around with them everywhere. They never just have like, good intentions. <laughs> chill out. There's always something weird. Y'all going can on. like chill, you know just that, right? Take a nap. Like your invisible sky daddy isn't gonna be mad if you don't have your magic just... book of spells with you 24 7. Read a more interesting book. Just literally billions billions of them. on a literary level is pretty interesting, but read a different book. Diversify. But uh, despite appearing pleasant and pretty well-adjusted, things started to change for Treva in 1985. She grew disturbed, uh, drawing really concerning pictures of, like, Ooh. dead women and writing really dark poetry. But, I mean, she was 16 at this point, and, like, I guess that that is some, some behavior I would associate more with, like, a 12, 13-year-old, but some people mature later. Ooh. Just a side story about something very similar to that. I promise this is finally a story of mine that's, like, on topic. Okay, let's <laughs> okay. So when I was in high school, there was this kid, and like our high school was extremely small, so it was very much like this. Um, this one kid was literally drawing like this like boy who we all thought he was like a, a fucking weirdo. He was drawing like extremely violent, graphic pictures of people being murdered Ugh. in the middle of class. That sounds like a baby school shooter. Yeah, we literally all called him the next Columbine killer. uh, Your history uh, on our other show of sounding a little bit like a mean girl from high school continues. I, that isn't, that is, you know what, that's accurate. I'll like, you know what, I'll get into it. It's not inaccurate. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we literally all thought he was gonna be like a school shooter. And then like, he literally just never came back to school one day. Terrifying. Also, what is our dynamic? Like, you're Gretchen Wieners, and I'm like... Janice-ian. Yes. That's, <laughs> I am Gretchen Wieners and you are Janicean. Janicean is a Lebanese it character. Does. So it kinda makes sense. And you're small and have a round face and a lot of hair. So small, round face, a lot of hair. Pointy chin. On a side note, since we're talking about religious people, uh what the fuck is Lacey Chabert plays uh, in like Hallmark movies and the <gasps> Christian Mingle movie? Yes, oh which my is crazy. god! You but know what? I'm gonna watch that when I get home. You should watch that. It's a shit show. But I any- love that. <laughs> anyway, uh, again, despite appearing how well adjusted, I know it's so scary to think about. Just ugh. But, also, every time you say Treva, it sounds like you're saying Trevor poorly. Yeah, well, whatever. Her name <laughs> is fucking Treva. I can't do anything about it. T R V. Oh, wow. Nope. T-R-E-V-A. Mm. Yeah, it's like right Tevas, up. but with an R. Ooh. I want some new Tevas also. But uh, despite like other than drawing weird pictures and writing just concerning poetry, she also was seen crying out to the Lord oh. that she didn't deserve to live during services at a local Pentecostal church. Also, just a note, her parents did not go to this church. So she saw, like sought this out on her own, which, what the fuck? Like, what 16-year-old is like, I want to speak in tongues? You look upset. You're in a weird position. What's happening? I'm, like, clutching my pearls, but, like, turning my chins into each other and, like, scrunching my shoulders up into my neck. Your shoulders are up around your ears, so I'm guessing you didn't like that. No, it literally gave me goosebumps. I didn't like it. It gets weirder, so strap in. One night, uh, she shook her niece, Jalisha—that's her name, I'm not pronouncing it wrong— Awake, saying that there was a man outside the house with a gun. This was completely false. There was no man outside at all. It gets, its just weird. The whole I'm get, thing. I'm is just weird. gonna keep gasping every time you so, say something crazy. You're gonna pass out. And I don't have time for that. Fantastic. I love that. <laughs> Soon, though, she disappeared from school, shocking her classmates. But it later surfaced. <gasps> Stop gasping, I swear no, to I God. just mean that. Like, just weirdly lines up with that kid at my high school. He just like yes. stopped coming to school. I'm guessing he also probably went to a mental hospital, which is eventually what happened to her. But. I hope so. Anyway, so it later surfaced through just the general rumor mill of a small town that she'd been removed from her home after accusing her father of rape. Uh, This would turn out to, we'll find out later, wasn't true. And her family at the time insisted it definitely wasn't true. Uh, Her parents claimed that she had been brainwashed by the evangelical Pentecostal (laughs) church she was going to. Sounds about right. Sounds about right to me. But she, or They would, like, members of the church would say that they were just trying to help her. She was obviously distressed and needed support or whatever. But at the time, uh, Treva was moved by, like, the CPS unit or whatever in Electra to the foster home of Sharon Gentry, who was obviously very concerned for the notably distressed teenager. Yeah. Uh, While she was there, Treva started telling stories about being abused by a satanic cult who assaulted her and made her drink the blood of small animals. What? Yeah, fuck. (laughs) It's this stuff is like dovetails with some satanic panic shit, and this is in '85, so like it's all lining up. It's all like right around that time. So she's—I'm guessing she's like going off news stories and shit she's hearing, and but anyway, the following May, so 1986, she told a school counselor that she was thinking of jumping off the third floor of the building and killing herself, and she was subsequently submitted, or committed, submitted, I don't know why I wrote that, to the <laughs> Fall State Hospital. Okay, so earlier when I said I read the notes, I mean, like, I skipped around and read little bits <laughs> and pieces, so I'm all yeah, I kind of I'm assumed. also getting this for the first time. It's really funny. Fuck. Like, I read little bits and pieces so I could, like, check the, like, grammar <laughs> and everything, just like, make sure everything was Gucci, because, like, I, I did kind of- I for a living, fucker. I, I know, but I did kind of want to be surprised. All right. Well, we can do that. That's fine, too. Like I said, I have like an encyclopedic memory of this shit. Yeah. Just reaction, boy. Love this. Ooh, I'm going to do pigtails for you. Okay. But (laughs) at the hospital, she was often seen crying. She ate very little and said... I guess other than when she was crying, very less. Uh, she was given a series of tests and a shit ton of different medication, both antipsychotics and antidepressants, which Ooh. can really fuck with teenagers' brains. So also, like, I don't know. Not usually a good thing to just like combo. Just right I think, off the bat, just combo them. Yeah, I think they maybe wanted her to stop crying all the time, but co- combining all those things is a lot. But she was diagnosed with characterological disorder, which I've never heard of before. I'm not entirely sure if it's even in the DSM anymore. But they said they noted that she might also have a personality problem. I'm assuming that's, like, code for a personality disorder. But at least at the time, it was not considered ethical. And largely, I think, by a lot of doctors, maybe still not considered totally ethical to diagnose a minor with a personality disorder. Yeah. It's a case-by-case thing, but it's not something... It's not something you should usually do. Yeah, and, like, because she had prior to, like, her as a teen, had never really had any mental health problems. There was no, like, warning signs up until then. Yeah, they just made it kind of a note rather than a diagnosis. Um, But after spending five months in the hospital, she was released, but not to her family home. She refused to live with her parents, and they were perfectly fine with that. Uh, They didn't want her back in the house until she recanted the accusation against Carl. And, like, because he ultimately didn't abuse her, I, like... Think that kind of makes sense, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, why was her mom like not ever like, let's investigate this and see what happened? Because like, I mean, the police do investigate him and they ultimately clear him of anything because again, he he wasn't doing anything. But it's still like, wouldn't you at least want to like give your kid the benefit of the doubt? Oh, also, I just realized that um the she has three sisters: yes, Kim Soo and Caroline. Yep, which is just the dad's name with. Ian added to it. I did not even think about that. You're yeah. right. They literally just named her. After I bet dad, they thought Carl. she was going to be a boy and they were like, Carl Jr. And then they're like, oh shit, Carlene. <laughs> oh shit, there's a vagina. Carlene. <laughs> Carlene. We got to change the name. Uh, but instead of going back to her family's home, she was moved to a red residential home for troubled teens. I didn't write the name down, but I'm pretty sure it's called Laura Hope. I don't know where I remember that. But she was enrolled in a nearby high school while she was at the residential home, uh, where she worked pretty diligently. She was noted as a good student uh, until graduating in 1987. At the when she graduated, she told staff at the residential home that she planned on applying to a Bible college that didn't require an SAT test. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize they were doing SAT tests in the 80s. I don't know why. Yeah, that I. Don't... <laughs> I thought it was a modern invention. I guess not. Yeah. Huh. But uh, during this time, her sisters. As we said, Carlene, Sue, and Kim were coming to terms on their own, kind of outside of all of this mess with what happened to Treva. While it was true that Carl hadn't abused any of the girls, the real story isn't any better, really. Uh, His brother, who he loved, apparently, and, like, worshipped, Ray, had been molesting all four of the girls (gasps) for years. Yeah. (laughs) Treva, who was the youngest, had kind of been his favorite, which is fucking gross, But uh, once the older girls who, they all got married in their teens just to leave the house and escape their uncle, essentially, who was, like, there all the time. Once the older girls left, he, like, completely turned his attentions on her. And the sisters, like, note seeing him, like, abusing her and trying to intervene in her being, like, (gasps) I don't know what you're talking about. Excuse me? Yeah, and, like... It's sad because I think in, later on in interviews, her sister Carlene in particular is like, I really wish I would have done something. I feel so guilty that I didn't intervene. But nobody ever talked to us about sexual abuse. And like we didn't, you know, at the time, our family and like the culture they were in was very like much like, suck it up, deal with it. And just like, don't say anything. Don't rock the boat. Yeah. Like, which which gross, don't change the status but, quo at all. Yeah. I mean, like, and unfortunately, that's true. Like, I don't, this was, I mean, it was, you know, when the... Older girls would have been being abused. Like in the early 80s, it was legal to rape your wife. Like it, you know, sexual crimes were not especially like the sexual abuse of children was just becoming a topic of conversation. What with the satanic panic and what have you. So, you know, it's kinda of, even though it's awful, it's kind of understandable why they all just never told anybody. I don't think they ever told their parents. But blast. Uh, at, so what, after she graduated high school, she was working phone banks for uh, Ralph Nader. <gasps> so she was somewhat progressive, which is interesting, I guess, even though she was hella religious. Who knows? That's surprisingly Honestly, very it, right? shocking. Yeah, I had that reaction, too, when like, I read that. <laughs> okay. super weird. But uh, she was doing that. I think she was maybe preparing to apply to the college. But a day after meeting with her sisters, who, like, tried to bring up what was happening and, like... Tried to tell her to apologize to her dad and move back in so everything could just be, like, back to normal. Treva vanished without a trace. <gasps> yeah. So that's the first, you No, know, crazy. Fuck. Just, like, weirdness going on. Love this so far. For years, no one heard from Treva for, like, Seven years, or I guess nobody heard from her for longer than that. But over the years, everybody in Electra kind of assumed that she'd been killed, that she was, you know, living on the streets and somebody had hurt her. Oh, God. She was nowhere to be found in Texas. But halfway across the country in Corvallis, Oregon, a teenager named Kelly T. Throneberry Smith was working at McDonald's and staying uh, with a family she'd met through a local church. She claimed to be on the run from an abusive father who had already caught her and raped her once in Portland. No one realized, though, because, like, of course they didn't. It's not, like, national news when a 19-year-old woman just leaves town. No one realized that Kelly was actually Trevor. <gasps> that was excessive. Never again. <laughs> Never. You mean I can't turn this into a uh, just gasping podcast? No, I can't turn it, this into, um, like, really annoying ASMR. No, uh, uh, a soap opera just... <gasps> <gasps> no. Get your gasping under control, because it just gets weirder. Just be prepared for the weird. I love this. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so Treva's 1992 stop in Corvallis. So keep in mind, she would have been like 25 at oh, this point. Oh, Jesus. But she was telling people she was 16. So Trevor's 19... I ni- mean, I'm 25 and I look 16. <laughs> it depends on the light. Ooh. Sorry. I, I'm assuming this isn't good lighting for me. <laughs> it's right on you. It's Can really you see not. every... Uh... Lining crevice in my face. Yeah, just a little bit. But it's hey, fine. the beanie's covering my gray hair. <laughs> okay. It's working out for me great. So Trevor's 1992 stop in Corvallis was really just the beginning of this pattern. Uh, and it fit the M.O. she would later develop kind of over the years. Much like Denise Pickering in Pretend... Trevor had developed an almost foolproof plan for convincing kind, well-meaning adults that she was a teenager in distress. Her stories always consisted of graphic, like really graphic, accusations of sexual assault and, in some cases, satanic ritual abuse. Oh which Jesus! At the maybe not in the early '90s, but I guess a little bit. That, this is yeah. right around when the West Memphis Three case happened. So, like, satanic panic was still a thing. So, especially in smaller towns and stuff. Yeah. So people easily fell like prey to those kind of stories. Yeah, and I think yeah, like I think especially. Religious people who she generally targeted, I think bought into that stuff and were like, oh my god, this happens all the time. I heard about this in California. Like, like oh my God, I heard about this on the news. And yeah. now it's happening near me. Escándalo! <gasps> let me like they're like ingratiate I ingratiate like, with me they, so I can hear the, yeah. more the like, let me get the cheese may I think they just bought into it really easily because, like, the common wisdom of the time was that you believe the children and this definitely happens. Yeah. And, like, and like, you should believe victims, but if somebody is making magical accusations, you should perhaps also get them some mental health assistance. Yeah. And especially, like, at this time, her bringing up the, like, satanic ritual stuff, it- was just so prevalent and people were hearing yeah. it on like the nightly, nightly news all the time so it was just like... And it was also the beginning maybe not the total beginning of the 24-hour news cycle but the beginning of news becoming like salacious stuff really getting kicked up like the yeah. 80s were a time when i don't know like crime coverage was Crazy, they were like, people were getting more and more into true crime as like a thing. It was, and And it was like the eight, we'd just gotten through like the decade of serial killers and child abductions was like the next big concern. So it was just a thing people thought about a lot. So, and like, because I'm a fucking pessimist and don't believe in the good (laughs) in literally any human being alive, oh my god, um, that's an accurate statement though, fair enough. But in this day and age, accurate statement. Um, but like, frankly, if it were me. And this is going to make me sound shitty, but if, like, some, if some girl, like, came up to me and told me all of this, like, terrible stuff was happening to her, I'm going to try to get as much information out of her as possible so, like, quite frankly, I could report it. Yeah, and I mean, like, like, I'm going to want to talk to you for hours, and then I'm probably going to look this stuff up, and... Yeah, I don't know. sounds shitty, but, like, I'm kind of interested, like... Oh, ones? my God. But, like, again, like, Denise, Treva used a wide variety of aliases. With, Love that. With some getting much more developed than others and sticking around a little bit longer. Uh, by 1997, she was masquerading as a teenager named Brianna Stewart in Vancouver, Washington. So Ooh. she was 28. The oh, reason like Denise. that one scares me a little bit more <laughs> is just because, like, at least with the, um, like, other like, alias that she was using, she still used her last name. This is totally She was, like, still connecting it to reality. And I think either my sort of theory, which, I don't know, like, my theory on all of this, and I think, like, evidence for this will kind of come out as we continue talking, uh, is that she just, like, totally broke with reality because of trauma, which happens. Like, people dissociate and develop. Like, she might have fucking dissociative identity disorder. I don't know. Like, she could be a Libra. (laughs) That also. Well, she's not. She was born in May. But, Did they make her Horace? Something like that? I don't know. Some shit like that. But at any rate, uh, by 1997, she was going by Brianna Stewart. Uh, Like she had before, she convinced a kind, very religious couple to take her in after she met them at a local church. She quickly enrolled at Everdeen High, where she excelled in English and struggled, apparently notably, in Algebra 1. I feel attacked by that. Yeah, I suck at math, so. I took Algebra (laughs) 1 in eighth grade and literally got a zero. I took it in the 8th grade and the ninth grade, so I mean... I took it in the 8th grade, started to take geometry in the ninth grade because the high school that I went to told me algebra didn't matter. That's really funny. I failed geometry because there. I had no algebra to tell me how to do geometry. They're totally different things, though. See, I was good at geometry. But you geometry. need like the basic math skills that you yes. learn from algebra to do geometry, which I did not have. So they sent me back to algebra, which I <laughs> failed again. So I took algebra one in 10th grade. That's funny. She was also in the 10th grade taking algebra one. So right on right on track with you. <laughs> she might be a Libra. Most of the kids at Everdeen regarded Brianna, who went by Brie. As Ooh. a shy but friendly wallflower type, uh, she said hi to everyone she saw in the halls. I don't like the being called people being called wallflowers. Well, That's I a mean red flag. True, but uh, she said hi to everybody she saw. Even though, again, she's still pretty shy. Uh, she played on the tennis team despite apparently being very bad, like way less skilled <laughs> than the other <laughs> the other uh, girls on the team. And she threw herself into drama classes, which, which again, she was also bad at. Yeah, also apparently very bad at. And like. Again, later it'll come out and people in the piece that there's a Texas Monthly article that a lot of her story is kind of outlined in really thoroughly. Um, And in the article, kids who like were at Everdeen High, who like actual kids who went to school with her, like, I don't believe it. Like if she's an adult, why was she so bad at everything? You know what? (laughs) If she was so bad at drama, how did she not get caught sooner? I mean, I think she might have been putting on an act, but or just totally dis- disconnected from reality. But one of those two things, it's got to be leaning towards the second one. Yeah, as am I. But soon, uh, she caught the eye of Ken Dunn, a boy in her grade who found her charming and interesting. Oh no, 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 no! I know. No. Interesting in a way that the other girls weren't. Uh. He thought she was cute, and mostly he really liked her southern accent because <laughs> she's from Texas, you know. Oh, no. I know. Oh, no. So the two grew close pretty quickly, as teen sweethearts are wont to do. And as their relationship grew more serious... We should have put teen in quotations there. Yeah. Well, you know, he thinks she's a teen. But Brie began to open up much more about her past. Uh, She claiming... Where am I? Sorry. She revealed horrible tales of physical and sexual abuse, claiming her stepfather had stabbed her (gasps) mother to death in front of her before raping her. Raping not the mother. Uh, She said that he made tapes of the abuse and sold them on the black market. Again, this is all in line with stuff that's, like, very satanic panicky. Uh, I don't like it. I know. And she said when she was 11 or 12, he pushed her down the stairs after finding out that she had gotten pregnant. Also, it's so, like horrific to me that she would just be able to just make this stuff up yeah the fact that this was just in her head like obviously she was sexually abused by her uncle and i think like that plus probably news stories of the time just everything gets fucked up and merged yeah and like the kite the type of trauma and ptsd people tend to get from childhood abuse is very complex and it can cause like kind of fractures in your psyche and like this break with reality and it doesn't for everybody i think for most people it doesn't but for some people it definitely does So uh, Ken listened intently to her stories and he wanted desperately to help her. And he, again, in interviews in this long form piece, he's like, she'd been through all these awful, these atrocious things. And I just wanted to make her feel loved. And like, he seems like a very sweet kid. Oh, this poor kid. Yeah, this poor kid. It's really rough. But they went to school. They went to school dances together and her... His mom even, like, sewed her a dress, like, from oh, scratch. Oh, Yeah. My heart. And he gave her, like, a ring that said, I love thee, which was apparently their favorite quote from Romeo and Juliet, the, uh, God, what's her name? The, my so-called life bitch one. That's her name. You could also have just said the Leonardo DiCaprio one and people would have gotten that reference a lot quicker. I just don't think about men that much, so I immediately went oh. for the female protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just right where my brain went. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah it's rough and, and which it, is also like such a basic fucking line to pick from that you guys could really be more is. creative yeah but like, in, oh i love thee also hey. in, in interviews after the fact ken would call it a perfect teenage romance like, oh that's gonna break my heart it's super sad i hope this dude's okay now on another planet yeah. but throughout this time Trevor slash brie whatever wanted to cement her identity as brianna stewart she went above and beyond doing, like, everything in her power <gasps> oh, to try no. and get a social security number. Oh, no. Yep, issued in... The Wait, base. how did she go to school without a social security number? You don't need uh, that to... Because if you're a minor in the U.S., this is a public school. To get enrolled in a school, it's, like, considered a right, so you don't necessarily need paperwork if, oh. like, you have some sort of extraordinary story like this. Oh, that's and, fair. at least at Everdeen, she had brought the family she was staying with into the principal's office and, uh, like basically begged to be enrolled and said that she wanted a normal life. And she'd been through all of these terrible things, but she didn't have any of her paperwork on her because of the nature of her story. Oh, that makes so much more sense. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Okay. So still on brand for me. So that's great. That's fine. (laughs) Casual. But again, she was trying very hard to get a social security number and her name, uh, but her con pretty quickly started to unravel. The cracks were starting to show. So her relationship with Ken fell apart. Pretty quickly after she accused David Gambetta, the patriarch of the family she was staying with, of sexually abusing and taping her. Okay, undressing. so that sounds suspiciously like what happened with her yep, dad. You exactly. could you couldn't come up with a I know um, a new story. This is also something that I want to touch on. Uh, it is not... It is not common for women to lie about being sexually it's abused. It's not common for women to lie about sexually be- being sexually abused, but it is common for people who have not dealt with their actual sexual abuse to accuse people who didn't actually abuse them of abusing them. Yeah. It Unfortunately, like, people who have... A lot of lines especially get blurred, and they can't really see... Distinguish. The, distinguish where the line is. Yeah, it, it's particularly for kids, so when she was... A, you know, 16, it kind of makes sense. Sometimes people who have mental stuff going on or our children use somebody who feels safer to like accuse of abuse when yeah. they are being hurt by someone else. It's, because they know accusing that person isn't going to get them getting hurt. Yeah. It, like, I think she probably knew like her dad was a gentle guy and wasn't going to like kill her. But the sisters earlier er, that we were talking about earlier would say that their uncle who was abusing them was threatening to murder their family if they told anyone. And I think that scared the shit, like, rightfully so, out of all of them. Exactly. So you can kind of, like, use a scapegoat who's someone safe who, like, if they get out of jail, they're not going to hurt you. Yeah. And the going theory, at least with her sisters, is that the reason this all started was that she just wanted to be taken out of the home where her uncle was. So she knew CPS would do that if she accused one of her parents. Which is fucking sad, but, like, stuff like this does happen with people who are afraid to actually call out their victimizers. And, again, it's not okay, but it's understandable. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, but uh, Ken was really good friends with the son of this family and for, like, once suspected that she was lying. And because of this, kind of started to think, like, maybe she was making everything up. Her crazy backstory, all the abuse accusations of, like, other men... So. also, like as a general rule of thumb, never date like if you're in a family like never date <laughs> your sibling's best friend, yeah that's just like a good, safe like bet, like just a not a good that. idea that's yeah that's just drama waiting to happen, even if everybody here was like neurotypical and like well adjusted yeah it's just like not, not a, a good great idea. idea, especially when you're a kid but Anyway, despite being uh, removed from the Gambetta home, Brie continued with her studies at Everdeen and eventually graduated in the spring of 2000. Uh, Afterwards, she continued her pursuit of a social security number, (laughs) contacting two different attorneys, one in Portland, one I think in Washington, I'm not 100% sure, uh, to aid in her efforts. Ultimately, though, this move would be her complete undoing. So get ready. Oh, I'm so excited. So after years of fighting for a social security number, she was very close to making her identity as Brie a reality. Oh, no. All her port- one of her- her Portland attorney was very close to doing it. He'd like- they'd sent like letters to governors, like to congressmen, to like different offices. All he needed was her fingerprints to verify that (gasps) there's nobody else she could have been. Yeah. God, dude. Sorry, I am- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just on the edge of my seat, even though my ass is fully reaching the back of the chair. <laughs> now, most rational con artists, I guess, probably would have bailed at this point and just left. Yeah. And just realized, like, like town. oh, shit, the jig is up. I'm leaving. Like, I'm going to be gone, someone else. <laughs> they would have gone, like, full the Cullen family from Twilight. I hate that I'm making this <laughs> I reference. I hate that, too. It's like, once people started to notice they weren't aging, they would just, like, they just like, leave like, town. Yeah. Which, like, you would think that you'd be like, oh, shit, they're on me. I gotta go. She did not do that. She clearly, again, like, was not thinking logically. And this is primarily the thing that makes me think she uh, is not in her right mind. She agreed to get fingerprinted. And through this, the truth was revealed. Brianna Stewart, the, I guess at this time... 18 year old girl it was actually 20. Oh, god, no, 30 or 31 <gasps> year old Trevor Thornberry. Jeez, Trevor Thornberry. 31 year old Trevor Thornberry. Also, like, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how young you look when you're in your 30s. You look you, like an adult. You even look, if you look, you would like, get fine lines and wrinkles around your eyes. I, I don't already, care how much Botox you put in that face. Even if you look young at 30, you probably just look like 23. Like, you don't look yeah. 18, you don't look 16. But that's just a reality. Unless you're the girl from Orphan. Even, like, your body changing and stuff. Like, it's noted in, like, the school officials will note that she wasn't built, like, a teenager. Which is gross to say, but, like, she was curvy. She had the body of an adult woman. Like, again, didn't look like a kid. But uh, Vancouver police would later arrest her, charging her with fraud and theft for receiving free foster care and free public education from the state of Washington. So, yeah, sounds about right. So her trial started that fall and I'm not going to go over all of it because it's pretty meandering. And I mean, like, it's, you know, I think a misdemeanor trial. It's not that interesting. Oh, okay. So it's nothing but like, outrageous. There's some weird parts. She had a public defenders and was going or maybe it was even her lawyers from earlier. I don't know. But she had attorneys who were going to represent her. But when she found out that their- the defense they had planned was that, again, like my theory that she'd lost touch with reality because of trauma and yeah, didn't really believe she was Brianna. She got incensed and fired them and said, like, no, that's not, I'm not, like, Treva. Like, that's not my name. I'm <gasps> defending myself. Oh, my God. Which is exactly what happens in Pretend, oh the episode. <laughs> so she decides to represent herself, though she's not qualified to do that at all. No one who ever did decides that they're gonna represent themselves is qualified to represent themselves. Never. Anybody who is qualified to rep- this represent themselves will hire a fucking lawyer because they're like- If you like, have a legal move that is like this similar to Ted Bundy, you're not in your right mind or qualified for anything. I love that you managed to bring Ted Bundy into this. If, whenever I think of people like foolishly representing themselves, that's the first thing I think of. Ooh, I want to watch that documentary so bad. I've heard it's terrible. The Bundy case really uh, bores me, but- I just like watching people, like, fawn over him, and it's like, really? It's awful. But anyway, she like, decides really? to represent herself. She Her defense was essentially that everyone, including, somehow, the DNA test that they did to confirm her fingerprints, were lying. We're wrong. That's when you know you've lost touch with reality, <laughs> yeah. is when you say that you That DNA is wrong. <laughs> like, that, That's not mean, my DNA. To be fair, this- like, there, is, there have been faulty DNA tests and stuff done before, but, like, that would be- fu- it's not- not when it's like a complicated to ta- comparison to take it from your body, like, yeah, like they've not, literally taken it from you. It's not, you know, come on, it's like a one to one right now, sweetheart. Yeah, That's kind of hard to fuck up. <laughs> but even she was ultimately they agree, tried to give her a plea deal with like two years plus in prison with time served if she would admit that she was Trava Thrown Mary, but she refused. So she ended up serving three years in prison, even She's the was, whole time insisting that she was Brianna Stewart. Even after her own niece, the one that she had woken up with claims about a gunman, wrote to her, like, addressing her as Treva, as her aunt, refused to believe that she was Treva library What the fuck? And... That was a lot. It was a roller coaster. I am... <laughs> I thought I was on another planet when we started this episode. Now um, you're just in the stratosphere. Like, when I got here, I thought I was having a stroke. And that... <laughs> That feeling is just back tenfold. Yeah. I should qualify that, like, her apartment building, they changed the color of it. They painted so it. They painted it. But I've never, I had never been here during the daytime. You definitely have, but not for a long time. Not long enough that I could remember the color of the building. <laughs> I just, like, know She's like, generally where it, where it is. Has it always been blue? Like, is it always been this color? Like, I didn't think it was. And then they, was painted, they painted the railing and the stairs, and it's like, oh, I'm I've lost it. I, My brain has literally left my body. I've entered a new plane of existence. No, you're just weird. And, I'm just stupid. Yeah, and they definitely painted. You're fine. But yeah, that is the case of Trevor Thronberry. I love that. Yeah, so, fucking, so fun. fucking bananas. Also, we're going to round out this episode with a segment we're going to do.
1: Every, Our favorite person
0: in the entire freaking world. Every however often we do this fucking episode. I also want to come up with like order like a custom jingle for this, but this is this week's Ice-T tidbit. Our Lord and Savior. Our Lord and Savior Ice-T slash Odafantutuola. Beyond his illustrious... Which sounds like a Bible name. It does. Beyond his illustrious career as a rapper and skilled thespian in the role of Odafantutuola, Ice-T also holds the distinct honor of being the only guest vocalist Mm. ever on a Black Sabbath album with his guest rhyme appearing on the song Illusion of Power on the 1995 album Forbidden. I love this. (laughs) Like, this whole thing is just like, I like it. I just really like getting to talk about this weird ass shit and also iced tea because I fucking love iced tea. I don't care that he's never had a bagel. I also just realized do you know who I'm talking like right now? I don't know. Trixie. Oh, God. I, I just it. realized, like, this entire episode, I've been very Trixie. Your demeanor is very problematic, drag queen, so.
1: So love just that. Where so you're I am, always at.
0: Not only am I Valentina, I am also Trixie Mattel. <gasps> if you combine your personality is made up of an amalgamation of gender nonconforming people with like a lot of hair. Yes. <laughs> Who are also very problematic and just live yes. in like a separate plane just of reality. On a different planet. Again, as you said earlier. But that is all we have for, for our first our inaugural episode. This might be like a side thing we do with our regular show, The Last Dead. It might not be, it might be its own its own monster. We'll figure it out. But it'll uh, pop up every once in a while. Yeah. Enjoy it. Thanks. <laughs>